From Stress to Rest, How We Handle Money and How Money Handles Us. Welcome to the 20th edition of The Wealth Letters, a collection of insights from all walks of life on finding true wealth. If you haven't done so, please read or listen to the manifesto before diving into the collection, as it will provide a clear vision and goals of The Wealth Letters. The following entry is a collection of message notes from Pastor Tom Lundeen on a series of four sermons he gave to the Riverside Church campuses of Big Lake and Sauk Rapids, Minnesota. The sermons and corresponding message notes focus on how we handle money and how money handles us. It's highly advised to view the sermons so as to better understand how the message notes can be applied to each one of us. The original sermons can all be viewed in their entirety here, and they're linked here. Who is Pastor Tom Lundeen? This is direct from the Riverside Church website on who Pastor Tom Lundeen is, and this is in his words. I have been the senior pastor at Riverside Church since September 1st, 2003. It is a joy and a privilege for me to do what I do because I'm able to use the gifts God has given me to proclaim his truth to people every week, and I'm excited when I see people cross the line of faith and begin to be transformed by God's grace, truth, and power. I have been a pastor and missionary in the CNMA since May of 1979. My wife, Gwen, and I were missionaries in Sydney, Australia for six years. Our two children were born there during that time, and so are dual citizens. We are the proud grandparents of four beautiful grandchildren. I also served as a senior pastor at Hope Community Church in Cottage Grove for 14 non-consecutive years. I used to be a more serious runner. I did complete 13 half marathons as well as shorter races, but as the years have gone by, that level of running is now behind me. I find hiking and slogging, combination of walking and jogging, to be times of exercise, quietness, and prayer for me. I follow a variety of sports. I'm a history nut, it was my major in college, and avidly follow contemporary news and issues too. While I'm a native Minnesotan, I am not a winter person by any stretch of the imagination. Warmth and sunlight give me a lot of joy and energy. Gwen and I have been married since 1978, and we enjoy traveling whenever we can. We have been to all 50 states, most of them on road trips, which we love taking, as well as a number of countries around the world. We always consider it a privilege when we have been invited to speak to CNMA missionary teams in different parts of the world, as well as at camps and conferences. Now, before reading or listening to Pastor Tom's message notes, be willing to be vulnerable and open your mind to ideas and suggestions that have proven worthwhile in another's journey. Do not blindly accept any and all advice given, but rather take in the information and distill it down to if and how it can be applied to you and your new unique self. While not everything will re relate directly to one's current situation at this precise moment, there may be some gems that will be worthwhile in time. And now on to the message notes from Pastor Tom entitled, from stress to rest, how we handle money, and how money handles us. There are probably fewer topics that have, been, that have more spiritual and practical implications for our lives, marriages, families, culture, nation, and world than how we handle money and how money handles us. 80% of Americans are in debt. 41% of millennials spend more on coffee than retirement plans. 62% of couples who argue have disagreements about money. Infidelity and money issues are the top reasons for divorce. Even more significantly, 
Jesus made it clear that how we handle money has eternal implications. Luke 16.11 So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? God measures our spiritual maturity by how we deal with money. Jesus focused on this topic so much, not because he was obsessed about money or wanted us to have a lot of it, but because he knew money is always a heart issue and one of the most likely reasons for someone to either follow him or give up on him. Matthew 6, 19-21 says, Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. What are God's principles for financial freedom? <clears throat> One, keep good records. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. We need to know where our money comes from and where it goes. Often money doesn't talk. It tends to slip away quietly and doesn't give a forwarding address. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. I need to know what I own, what we owe, earn, and where it's all going. Write it down. Number two is budgeting. A budget is simply planned spending. It helps you tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Remember that your yearnings will always exceed your earnings. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Pastor Warren has a great quote. And so he says, if you want to control your debt, you've got to nip it in the budget. Number three, we need to save. Proverbs 20, 21 says, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. 30% of Americans have no savings. 70% have less than $15,000 saved. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. One of the unspoken reasons we don't save is envy. The problem is most people we envy are also in debt and envying others. We have to stop comparing and competing and decide to do the right things with the money God has entrusted to us. Proverbs 13.11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Number four is we need to have generosity. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Whatever you want God to bless in your life, put him first. A great starting point is to tithe. Tithe 10%. God owns it all anyway. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Practicing generosity reminds us that everything is God's. 
give with gratitude. It helps make God our first priority, and it's a declaration of faith. 1 Corinthians 16.2 On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Number five is contentment. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. We can be so focused on getting more that we don't enjoy what we have. The truth is, things will settle down when we choose for them to settle down. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And Philippians 4.10-13 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I know these principles work, but there are two conditions. One, you have to do them all, and two, you have to do them in God's order. Here's what most people do. They earn it, enjoy it, repay it, then save it, and then give it. Here's the order that God blesses. Earn it, give it, save it, repay it, enjoy it. Out-of-control finances are symptoms of an out-of-control life. We need a life manager, and that's Jesus Christ. Behind all our financial problems is unbelief. We need Jesus to be the first CEO of our lives, and then the CFO too. Job 31, 24-25 and 28 says, If I have put my trust in gold, or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had gained, then these also would be sins to be judged, for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. Money can dominate our lives, and money influences our lives for good or bad. If you don't learn to manage your money, it will manage you, which is why money and financial issues cause so much stress in our lives. So what is Jesus talking about with all this money? Note the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16, 1 through 13. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. 
I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus isn't praising dishonesty here, but he is pointing out that there are always things to learn, even from people we may disagree with. Luke 16, 14 through 15 says, The Pharisees, who love money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Jesus wants us to think about money differently because so many of us aren't very good at managing it. God wants you and me to learn to be biblically shrewd with our money for the rest of our lives. We're called to not squander money. Luke 16, 1-2 says, Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Luke 15, 13 through 15. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Everything we have and are belongs to God. We are not owners, we are only managers. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Exodus 19.5 Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession although the whole earth is mine. Job 41.11 Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Don't love money. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. It's impossible to have two number one priorities, and loving money has serious consequences in many areas of life, including spirituality. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Don't rely on money. Luke 16.3 says, The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. Never put your trust in anything that can be taken from you. The only thing that you can never lose is God's love for you. Proverbs 23.5 says, Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Don't expect money to give your life meaning. There is no agreed to number in survey after survey about how much money is enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, 
Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Your net worth does not equal your self-worth. Your valuables are not your value. My worth and value and yours is because God made us. Jesus died and rose again for us, and the Holy Spirit wants to take up residence in us. Money is a tool, and we're to use it the way God designed it to be used. When we're using money God's way, we'll have less stress and much more rest. And we'll use money the right way when Jesus has his rightful place in our lives. We have to understand that everything ever created belongs to God. Psalm 24.1 says, God claims earth and everything in it. God claims world and all who live on it. All we have is on loan. Jesus wants us to understand we are all middle management positions. Everything we have is a gift from God, and God is very interested in what we're doing with it that he's entrusted to us. If I'm in charge and the master of my destiny, then I've got to worry about where I'm going to get money and how I'm going to pay for everything. But when I know God owns it all, the full weight of every money issue, challenge, and opportunity isn't just my concern. Matthew 6, 25-27 says, If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to the outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? How well are you taking care of God's property? As Pastor Warren said, Whenever I waste money, I'm wasting God's money. God uses money to help me see myself. Life is a test, and God uses money to test us. God uses money to help me see that, A, what I love most. You spell love, G-I-V-E. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. God uses money to help me see what I trust the most. Proverbs 11.28 says, A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. And God uses money to help me see if God can trust me. Unmanaged finances reveal an unmanaged life. Jesus directly connects spiritual maturity with money, spiritual power with how we handle stuff and things, and God's blessings with my dollars. Luke 16, 10-11 says, Jesus went on to make these comments. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? Money is simply a tool. Money is neutral. We're not to love money, but to use it. God wants us to love people and use money, not love money and use people. We need to use money to honor God. The shrewd manager isn't praised by Jesus for his dishonesty, but he did three things that God wants us to do with our money. One, 
the manager focused on the future. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as manager. I'm not strong enough for a laboring job and I'm too proud to beg. Japanese save an average of 28.8% of their income. Europeans save an average of 12% of their income. Americans save an average of 3.4% of their income. If we're living beyond our means, we're not thinking about our future. Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the wise keeps life on track. The foolishness of fools lands them in the ditch. The, manage, the shrewd manager also planned. Luke 16.4 says, Here's what I'll do. Then when I'm turned out into the street, people will take me into their houses. Proverbs 16.9 says, We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. And the shrewd manager also was decisive. He didn't procrastinate or say, Someday. Do you have a financial plan? A budget? A plan for dealing with our debts? It starts with making Jesus the CEO of your life. So a quick review. One, everything belongs to God. Two, God uses money to help me see myself. And three, money is simply a tool. There are three remaining life-transforming truths that will help us experience less stress and more rest in our lives. One, one day I'm going to face the ultimate audit. Whether we have comparatively a lot or a little, God is very interested in what we're doing with it and if he can trust us with more. One day for all of us, our time in middle management will end and God will ask us to show what we did with the mind, gifts, abilities, health, freedom, and resources that he gave us. Did we focus on ourselves or did we honor God with everything? As 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And number two, faithfulness with a little opens the door to God trusting me with more. And this is the parable of the bags of gold. Matthew 25.14-30 says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, 
harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money in deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pastor Warren gives another quote when he says, Faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in big ways. Generosity is God's plan to become financially healthier. Ask yourself this question, can I do better with 100% of my money, or can the God of the universe help me do better with 90% of my money? Finally, number three is the best use of money. Luke 16.9 says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Pastor Lundin, myself, says, the best use of my money and yours is populating heaven and depopulating hell. Is anybody going to be in heaven because of the way you used your money and practiced generosity? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by investing in the lives of people who your gifts help and them saying yes to Jesus as Lord. No matter what you may have in your earthly IRA, it pales in comparison to what you could have in your eternal IRA. Give your first and best to God. He didn't give his third string for us. He gave us his one and only son. One day, you and me will face the ultimate audit. And that is the end of Pastor Tom Lundin's sermon notes. Wow. <clears throat> I've got a few takeaways um, from Pastor Lundin. Number one, quote, if you don't learn to manage your money, it will manage you, which is why money and financial issues cause so much stress in our lives. Number two, Pastor Lundin said, we have to stop comparing and competing and decide to do the right things with the money God has entrusted to us. I also took away from Ecclesiastes 5.10, which says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Number four, your net worth does not equal your self-worth. And again, that's a quote from Pastor Tom Lundin. And finally, number five, my takeaway is that giving and, and giving of what we have is so important. What we have isn't ours anyways. As, God, as Pastor Lundin said, it's God's. And to be generous is part of what we're called to do. What are your takeaways from Pastor Tom? I'd love to hear what you took away. You can comment on that here. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Tom or Riverside Church, you can do so. Here's a direct link to the website. Uh, Riverside Church also has a Facebook page, which is linked here as well. Thank you for your support. Would you consider sharing this with someone you feel could benefit? Your ideas and feedback are always welcome.